Sealing God's People at SealingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. We're going on with the Feast of Trumpets, and that being the fifth Feast of the Lord. Uh, these are Moed, or divine appointments of God with man on his calendar, the divine calendar. And each of these feasts have a very significant, uh, to the church, uh, significance because it is a shadow of things to come, as we see in Colossians 2. Now, where are we now in the work of the ministry? The Lord is preparing us now for the work of the ministry, which is to bring us into the unity of the faith, and to the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, the knowledge of the Son of God is not just knowing Jesus after the Spirit and not after the flesh. In other words, it's not just Christ in you, the hope of glory, or having the Holy Ghost within you, uh, being born of the water and the Spirit, according to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise unto you, and to your children, and many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, in Deuteronomy 13, we're told that if a prophet uh, speaks a vision or a prophecy, and it comes to pass, saying, let us go after other gods, and does not give Jesus, the man, the honor of the Father, that he is God Almighty, the Father of glory. Fear not that prophet we find that we have left the oracle that God is one. He's not binitarian. He's not two. He's not a second person of the Godhead. Jesus Christ, the man, is God manifest in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16, we see how God did put upon himself in a form of a servant. He made himself of no reputation, that literally lays aside his glory and took upon him the form of a servant. That's God himself, not the Son of God. God himself. God being the invisible spirit, Jesus Christ, having not revealed his name yet, the name of God, because he had not made a permanent manifestation yet. And when he does, and a permanent tabernacle is only the time that he will reveal his name, Jesus that is Jehovah is salvation, not Jehovah Junior. There is in the feast of the Lord the revelation of Jesus Christ from the Alive to the Tav. And that's the reason why there's 22 letters in the Hebrew ABC theory, and there are 22 chapters in the book of the Revelation. And each chapter is, is written with a Hebraic design, not chronologically in order, but in order of the Hebrew area, showing that Jesus is the Allah through the top. Now, with that said, we're talking about the Feast of Trumpets that we are coming on to now, and uh, September the 18th and 19th, and then Yom Kippur, uh, that being on the 28th of September, uh, 2020. Now, as we get into the Word of God, we're going to see and pick it up uh, in... Second Chronicles 5. Now, the first generation that was brought out of Egypt and they had partaking of the Feast of Passover, unleavened bread and first fruits. They had passed uh, 
over the Reed Sea. They had gone to Sinai. They received their Pentecost there, uh, the Feast of Weeks, and seven Shivas and on the morrow. Uh, there they received uh, the law. Howbeit, partaking of these four first four feasts, there are seven feasts of the Lord, and this uh, generation did not go on to possess the land of Canaan for various reasons, and primarily because of unbelief. They did not, when they came to Kadesh Barnea, partake of the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Engathering. Uh, they missed out. Now, they had partaken of the Passover lamb uh, to come out of Egypt. They had eat the bitter herbs and uh, the unleavened bread. They had uh, first fruits. Uh, they had came over. Uh, three days later, they came to the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, and they passed over the Red Sea. And then, 50 days from that, uh, for the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, they were at Sinai, and the mountain burned with fire. We find it in Hebrews 12 that there is not just the Lord uh, that had brought up his people out of the land of Egypt, but yet a greater work that the Lord will do in the in the end of time, in the last days, which is, he has promised yet once more, he shakes not only the earth as he did in Sinai, but he shakes also heaven itself. Why? The Lord hath promised yet once more, he shakes not only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Anything man-made is going to be destroyed. Only what is in God, in him, by him, and through him, will be able to stand. Seeing then that we have a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We find that fire, as he promised, we see that on Sinai, when Moses goes up into the mountain and receives the Decalogue, he receives the law. Uh, as he comes down, uh, Aaron, they had made a golden calf. Uh, he had sinned, and Moses destroyed those first tables, and uh, there took the calf, ground it up into powder, and in the stream, and they literally uh, had the drink of that that uh, golden calf that was made dust. Then there had to be a second law, Deuteronomy, a second law. Why? Because the generation when they came to Kadesh Barnea, Kadesh, the sanctuary or house, Barnea, Bar, uh, son, Nib, of a disobedient son. When they came to Kadesh Barnea, the house of a disobedient son, when they put the spies over to check out and spy out the promised land. Ten came back with an evil report, and Joshua and Caleb, the two witnesses, came back with a positive report. Yes, we're well able to take the land. But the other ten, because they moved the people and said we're but only grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants in the land. Because of that, they did not go over and went back into the wilderness, and that generation died off. They had only partaken of those four feasts. 
there remained another three feasts to take that promised land. They did not go over Jordan. There then, though that generation died. Then their children, who were born in the wilderness, that they said will not take the land, the Lord said, these will be the ones that will go over Jordan. Howbeit, they had not seen all the miracles and wonders done by God upon Egypt, destroying their gods. They had not partaken of Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, or Pentecost. There, all that had obeyed God, Moses said, you have been kept alive. Joshua and Caleb believed God and those two witnesses there indicative of the two witnesses in the latter days. Now, we're going to go in and see how the Feast of Trumpets applies to us in this day and time in the church age, which Colossians 2 tells us these holy days, the new moons, all of these were a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. It means that we, as the body of Christ, will have the spiritual significance of that and and the revelation of it in and through the body of Christ, revealing Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, what is the significance of that being now the Feast of Trumpets of Rosh Hashanah? And then, of course, after that, the Day of Atonement and then Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Gathering, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of Prophecy, the Feast of All Feasts. Three seasons of God. That is Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. In the three seasons, there are seven feasts. In that first season of Passover, we have Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Then we go to the second season, the Feast of Weeks. We have Pentecost. They partook of the first four feasts in that first generation. Howbeit, the children that had not partaken of the first four feasts will be the ones that will go over and partake of the last three feasts, which is in the season of tabernacles. That is the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or that is the young, the uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Yom Kippur, and then that Feast of Sukkoth. These still, there has never been a generation yet that has partaken of all seven feasts, which were a shadow of things to come, and the bodies of Christ showing us that this shadow of these good things to come for the body of Christ coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're going to find that it took a second law, Deuteronomy, a second law, uh, that those that were not circumcised, born uh, children in the wilderness, will have to be circumcised, uh, and then they will partake of three feasts. That would be Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. We'll pick this up in Second Chronicles 5, and we're, we're uh, uh, at that seeing how the Feast of Trumpets applies to us, the church today, uh, we know that America and the world in that, in that case uh, literally is in a balance there of uh, uh, evil coming against good and calling good evil and evil good. And the ones that are in authority 
trying to overthrow them as well as the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, and the greatest battle uh, for the standing for the Lord God in truth than there's ever been because we know that evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. Now, as we pick this up in Chronicles, we're going to see that in the book of the Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of Antichrist, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him, John, that beloved disciple, uh, that one disciple, the beloved disciple. And that man is going to be indicative of the body of Christ. There, John, and he will have this given to the servants of God. Show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, these things are the things of faith. The things of faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And these things that are in this book of this prophecy, blessed is he that readeth and keepeth the sayings of this book. It is a blessing there. And we're coming into and we will be all seven feasts that we will be partaking of, not in the natural, but in the spiritual. Now, how do we get into it and what does it mean for the body of Christ? Well, the first is Passover. Christ's our Passover sacrifice for us that we take that, that feast there with the praise of our lips and that Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. And we go to the tabernacle of Moses that was dedicated in Passover. Now, Solomon's temple will be dedicated in Tishri in the seventh month in Ethneim. But we find there in Acts, the second chapter, that that was Pentecost. That is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the literal fulfilling of the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, being Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And he will be our perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Therein, the feast of Passover, you take a male of the first year, Keep him up four days without finding that without spot and without blemish. And then you will then slay that lamb and apply the, the blood to the lentils and the doorpost. When you apply it to the lentils and the doorpost, it makes the cross. And we find that cross being uh, an indication of what is going to be and how our Lord will be crucified. As a door is applied to, uh, that blood is applied to the doorpost and the lentils of the door, we find that that is the door to your heart. And the shadow of these things to come is that Jesus died uh, at the very time of the preparation when the Passover lamb would be killed. Jesus was dying on the cross exactly at that time. We find uh, that he was gone between Caiaphas, Pilate, and Herod four days. Uh, they found no sin in him worthy of death. Uh, we find the seven last things of Jesus on the cross that all said, even the Roman soldier, truly, this is the Son of God. Well, there Jesus 
his death, burial, and then he rose from the dead, declaring him to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. Romans 1, uh, verse 3. There he's declared to be the Son of God. Well, through that resurrection, Jesus is that Passover lamb. He is all seven feasts that he paid for, shedding his blood on the cross. But we find that in the final tabernacles, according to the number of bullocks that's going to be offered in addition to the regular sacrifices, that on the 15th day through the 21st day, or seven days of tabernacles, we're going to see that the first day there will be 13 bullocks offered in addition to all the regular sacrifices. And then on the 16th, or the second day of tabernacles, there will be 12 bullocks offered in addition to the other sacrifices, the regular sacrifices in the feast. Then on that third day, then there will be 11 bullocks offered. And then on the fourth day, 10 bullocks. Then on... Uh, the fifth day, nine, sixth day, eight, seventh day, seven bullocks. We add those up and we have a total of 70. Now, 70 is for the restoration. 70 weeks that are turned upon the holy city, Jerusalem, to rebuild uh, the wall and the streets, even in troublous times uh, there in Daniel 9, 24. But we want to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of every feast. But we must be included in that, for it is a shadow of things to come. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John declare the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. With that said, how do we get into it? How do we partake of these feasts? Well, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, Acts 2, 4. And then they were pricked in their heart. And at that point, in Acts 2, 37, they said, Men and brethren, what must we do? Peter, standing up along with the other eleven, Matthew there being also, who had said, uh, going into all the world, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and along with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. That means the Holy Ghost is not going to be taken out. Christ in you, Jesus in you, until the end of the world, the end of the age, the end of the eon. Well, there's no pre-tribulation rapture. He's going to be with us through the whole time. But when we go through the water and go through the fire, we have the assurance he will be with us. How do we get into it? Peter was given the keys of the kingdom in Matthew 16. And Peter, standing up along with the other 11, said, repent. That is that altar of burnt offering. That's the first step to get into his death. And be baptized. That's born of the water. Godly sorrow work the repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. But repentance in itself is not salvation. John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and the spirit. Nicodemus, who was a teacher there, did not understand that. 
He said, how is a man that is old enter the second time into his mother's womb? It has nothing to do with a natural birth because Jesus said that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Peter then having that revelation, not just said that it's repentance only uh, and you're saved, standing up there on the day of Pentecost when the people were pricked in their heart and they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter, having the keys to the kingdom, said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's born of the water, literal H2O. We're going to see that again in uh, Acts 4.12. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. We're going to see it again in Acts 8.16. They were baptized in the name of the Lord. We're going to see it again in Acts the 10th chapter, Cornelius' house of the Italian band. And as he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost because Peter said, as he heard them speak, for he heard them speak in other tongues, and said, can any man forbid water, H2O, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. For he heard them speak in tongues. Well, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We find it again in Acts the 19th chapter. Paul coming up on certain brethren. Apollos the silver-tongued orator of Alexandria had already been through there. And they had believed he came upon them and said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, sir, we, we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. Paul then stated unto them, what were you baptized? How were you baptized? Because to get into total uh, repentance there is not salvation. They had repented. And they were baptized according to John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. But that's not enough. And Paul goes on and says unto them, what were you then baptized? You should have the Holy Ghost. Because if you're born of the water, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost after you've had your sins remitted. Acts 2.38. Well, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, sirs, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Paul said, then, and then, under then, what were you, what were you, how were you baptized? Because he knew that it goes back to born of the water and the Spirit. And they said, under John's baptism, John the Baptist, Apollos, the silver-tongued orator of Alexander, had been through there, and had preached uh, that baptism of repentance. And they had believed it. They had believed. They were believers, but how be it not saved? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They believe what they had heard to that point, but still not saved because they were not born of the water and the Spirit. And at that point, then they said, we were baptized unto John's baptism. Well, Paul had to go on and tell them, you, came, you have believed as far as repentance. Uh, that's the first step. But you have that, that you believe in that death of Jesus. 
but you have not partaken of unleavened bread and first fruits. Well, what is that unleavened bread? You what? That's the burial of Jesus. How do you get into the burial of Jesus? Romans 6, verse 1 through 4. Know ye not that as many as were baptized were baptized into Christ's death? How did you get there? By baptism. We find that in Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. Paul is now bringing these brethren in. They have been baptized in the name of repentance. God is our work of repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. And they said unto John's baptism. So Paul said, John truly did baptize with water unto repentance saying that they should look on him that would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. Then when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now they're born of the water. The body, the sins of the flesh destroyed by baptism. Colossians 2 verse 12. And Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And they spake in tongues, spake with tongues and prophesied. Well, they had now done the three steps. Repentance, that's the death. Burial, buried with him in baptism. Now, that is baptizing the name of Jesus Christ, not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because Father's not a name. The name of the Father, John 5, 43. We have John 17, Jesus stating, I'm coming my Father's name. And keep through thine own name, Father, those that thou hast given me. That name of the Father is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm coming in my Father's name. Whenever he came into Jerusalem on the coast of Alabanaz, they said, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is Jesus. It was not manifest in the Old Testament because God had not taken on permanently a tabernacle, a permanent dwelling yet, the house permanently. When he did, he places his name there. Just like you, if you were a going and renting a house, you wouldn't write your name in concrete or literally put it up on the, uh, the door of the house uh, permanently because it's a rental house. Well, same with the Lord. There was different uh, manifestations of him in the Old Testament. Definitely the Lord before Abraham uh, was, I am. Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it. Jesus proclaiming himself to be that spirit. But yet, he had not taken on a permanent body of flesh. That was not the burning bush. That was not the brazen serpent lifted up in the wilderness. It was not that angelic form, uh, that redeeming angel there that wrestled with Jacob. All of these, Manoah uh, there with the angel asking his name. Uh, Why do you ask me my name? Seeing it is secret, it will not be revealed until the Lord, God himself, the Spirit, takes on a permanent dwelling. Then he'll place his name there or it will be there forever. At that point, then we have that name, Jesus. That's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, because it said the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father send you the Holy Ghost in my name. That's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. is none other than Jesus Christ. Well, there to get into the death, burial, and resurrection and feast of Passover, to eat that flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, we have to observe these feasts. And there's not just one feast, repentance only. 
There's seven feasts, and we have to partake of all seven in order to be saved, growing up into him in all things, uh, and being an overcomer into the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. That to a perfect man. There, it starts out with that first step, which is the death, uh, that's feast of Passover. How did you get into it? You repented. Then, the second, how did you get to that feast of unleavened bread, buried with him in baptism? Then how did you get into first fruits? You're raised to the newness of life and taken on the name of Jesus, of whom the whole body in heaven and earth is named Jesus. For as many as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Well, that's exactly what Paul told them in Acts the 19th chapter. You did believe you were baptized with water under repentance, under John's baptism, but still you didn't have the Holy Ghost. And still, your sins were not washed away because you had not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So at that point when they had obeyed, not only the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, being buried with them in baptism, and then raised in the newness of life, when they had done those first three feasts, then Paul laid hands on them. And they received the Holy Ghost. That's the fourth feast, Feast of Pentecost. And we call those Pentecostals. Now we're going on. We're into now in a different, total different season than the Feast of Weeks or Feast of Pentecost. Then Pentecostals. After that second day, uh, he's going to revive us in the third day where we are now. It's a total different, higher glory than Pentecost, than Pentecostals. And that's what we are experiencing now in the Feast of Trumpets, the ministry voice of Jesus for the work of the ministry. There, Therefore, it's been two days or 2,000 years in the Pentecostal move or Pentecostal reign of the Holy Ghost, and he must reign until all things be put under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Therefore, we have death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. How do you get into the feast? Those first three feasts. You repent, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, raised in the newness of life. You become a new creature. Why? Because the body, the sins of the flesh, is destroyed by water baptism. You find that again. Romans 6, 1 through 4. You find it again in Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. Now, with that said, then you go on and receive the Holy Ghost. You're born of the water. Now you go on and get born of the Spirit. You receive that Holy Ghost with outward evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Not as you do, but as the Spirit does. It's not an intellectual exercise where you think and you're going to speak in some language that you're going to make up. It will come out of your belly, show full rivers of living waters. And that's truly being born of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit by that receiving the Holy Ghost. Well, that's the first four feasts, but that's still not full measure stature of Jesus Christ under perfection. And there remains three more feasts. Now we're focusing on, assuming that you have partaking of the first four feasts of the Lord, feast of Passover, feast of unleavened bread, feast of first fruits, and then the feast of weeks, on that that is Pentecost, that means that you have repented, 
been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, raised in the newness of life, born of the water, and then born of the Spirit, receiving the Holy Ghost, you are partaken of the first four feasts, which means that you have eaten the flesh and drank the blood of Jesus, the Son of Man, in the first four feasts. There remains three more feasts of the Lord that we must partake of in order to obtain that kingdom. And that is the Feast of Trumpets, total different season. First season, Passover. Second season, Feast of Weeks. That season of Pentecost that we've been in for over 2,000 years. Now we're in the third season, and many are still asleep in Pentecost. This is where we're going to get in trouble if we do not follow on to know the Lord is going forth as prepared as the morning. He'll come to us as the rain, former and latter. The latter rain is what we're speaking of. The last great rain of his strength. It's the ministry voice of Jesus. And we're finding that in the Feast of Trumpets. That is a two-edged sword. It's an alarm of war. It is warfare. It is also the ministry voice of Jesus in the work of the ministry of which we are all called for, which is he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, many will say, oh, we can't be perfect as long as we're in the flesh. Where you don't, you don't walk in the flesh, you walk in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Therefore, there remains three more feasts that we are now having to enter into to eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. And except we eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, that kingdom office, the Son of Man, then we will not enter into life. This is just as important as your repentance. It's just as important as your being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's just as important as being raised in the newness of life and receiving the Holy Ghost. It's this as important in the Feast of Trumpets that we are in that ministry voice and the work of the ministry through the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God. That knowledge is not it's just going to go. Will we know Him after the Spirit, not after the flesh? But it's doing the will of God, not just having the Spirit of God, but doing the will of God, obedience uh, unto righteousness, Romans 6. And that's where the ministry voice, the cry out in the land and that ministry voice, and Jesus speaks that, that as in each of the churches in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, for the ministry voice of Jesus is the work of the overcomers. That is the Feast of Trumpets, which will be for three and a half years, time, times and a half, and a thousand, two and three score days, 42 months. They're in that prophetic calendar. It remains the last end of that week. Jesus cut off after 62 weeks. And he was cut off after 62 weeks in the midst of that week. He caused the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he will make it desolate. It's God sending the strong delusion, not the devil. The devil's nothing in the world but an axe in God's hand. Of Saul, Saul, can you magnify yourself? 
No, you're just, you're just an instrument in God's hands. Therefore, there remains three more feasts of the Lord, and that's what we're focusing on. In Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, we're talking about the Sheba. We're talking about the sevens, seven angels to the seven churches with seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vows, seven spirits before the throne of God. And then the seven, you find sevens all the way through the book of sevens or the book of this prophecy. And the book of this prophecy requires us to have the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy to keep the sayings in this book that will perfect the body of Christ unto perfection unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man and the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God is epigonosco, not, not just gonosco. It's epigonosco. That knowledge of the Son of God is not just knowing Jesus after the Spirit, not after the flesh. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it's obedience that you have obeyed unto righteousness, growing up into Christ in all things, the things of faith. This is the faith that was once delivered to the saints, that which we've been earnestly contending for, for over 2,000 years or two days. So therefore... We're called to return to the Lord. Somebody said, we, we're in the Lord. If you're in Pentecost and have not gone on and preparing for the work of the ministry, then we are asleep in Zion. We are asleep and awake that drunkard and how? Why? Because the new wine, not the old store, not the former rain, the new wine is cut off from you. What's that new wine? It's a new thing that God is doing. Not revival. Everybody says we're coming into revival. No, we're not. It's a total new thing. So different and so radical a change that God is doing in the work of the ministry that many that do not know and follow the Lord in obedience to the Holy Ghost will say it's not God. It is not Him. They will deny the work of the ministry because they do not know the word of God as fathers. Now, what are we saying that? We're saying that now it's time to grow up from little children. Paul said that little children, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, now I'm not talking about natural uh, children and natural young men and natural fathers. We're talking about though the outward man perish, yet that inward man, the Christ in you, the spiritual man that you are, be it uh, male or female, there's neither male or female in that kingdom, in Christ. And we're talking about that inward man that has to grow up into Jesus in a perfect full measure of Christ. So therefore, whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. What? The image of his son. God manifests in the flesh. Certainly he doesn't expect that. Oh, yes, he does. Whom he did foreknow. That foreknowledge of God, the predestination is based upon God's foreknowledge. He knows all things from the beginning to the end, not subject to time, and he is infinite, infinity. 
He is everlasting, the I am. Singular personal pronoun, that I, he is a self-existent, eternal one, M. That means present, he never, no beginning, no ending. He's a self-existent, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who is alone, Jesus Christ alone, and him only, the blessed and only potentate, 1 Timothy 6.15, who only has immortality. Who is he? Jesus Christ, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. This is where the body of Christ is now. So therefore, we want you, in your prayerful support, and financial support as well to take this to the nations. If God is dealing with you, please let us hear from you. We need to join up in one mind and one accord in the unity of the faith. Now, if you don't believe these things, we understand. Every man has his own opinion, but those that do believe, that have an ear to hear, let us hear from you and we'll join forces together as the body of Christ is being literally lifted up now bone to bone, whichever joint supplies to the edifying itself, edifying of itself in love. Let us hear from you. Now, what are we talking? We said we're talking in uh, this Second Chronicles 5, which is specifically talking about the time of trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets. And we're going to find that this Feast of Trumpets, that ministry voice of Jesus, that we are called for the work of the ministry, that is, and we find in Hosea 6, come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. Somebody said, oh, wait a minute. The Lord didn't do that. You know, he doesn't send famine, pestilence, sword, and noisome beast. Oh, yes, he does. Shall there be evil in the city? And I, the Lord God, have not done it. It's the Lord. God said in Deuteronomy 32, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. I, the Lord, do all these things. See now that I, even I, am the Lord thy God. And beside me, there is no other God. I'll tell you these things before they happen, before they come to pass, so that you may know that Jesus, he is God, and there's not another. He says, I call it to rain on one city and not on another. And still, they would not repent and turn to me. Therefore, in the work of the ministry in the last days, it'll be the final call, the final proclamation and publicizing and the promulgation of this word to all the world for witness in all nations, and then the end will come. The preaching of this gospel of the kingdom, not just one verse, but the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world for witness in all nations, and then the end will come. He that overcometh to the end, the same will be saved. He didn't say the ones that just repented. You've got to overcome. Now, that's very important in the Feast of Trumpets because there are different levels of glory, different levels of growth for your inward man, you, the believer. Though the outward man is perishing, yet that inward man is renewed day by day. And as you feed the inward man and you go through these experiences, you have your senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil and your faith that grows exceedingly and that charity that aboundeth one toward another. Paul said, we're bound to thank God for you, brother, and all your persecution and tribulation that you endure. Why? Because 
it is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you and I would be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which we suffer. Now, we're not talking about Christ and you, the hope of glory. We're talking about the kingdom age, that kingdom, that kingdom age that after this dispensation of grace, there will be a millennial kingdom of 1,000 years fulfilling that promise that God spoke unto David, 1 Psalm 132, 11. The Lord has sworn unto David in truth and will not turn from it that of the fruit of thy body, David, I, God himself, will reign upon your throne. At his throne, and that will literally come to pass, Jehovah Shammah, in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And we, the body of Christ, are called as kings and priests unto the Lord our God, if we overcome. Now, to overcome to the end is we will reap if we faint not. These exceedingly great and precious promises are given to us that we'll escape the corruption of the world through lust, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature. Not that that divine nature is ours, but we partake of it. It's his glory, but we partake of it. It's his kingdom, but we partake of it. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, in the book of the Revelation, it's not Revelations. It's the Revelation. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the world. And he's using the 420 seats where seated 420 elders and the four living creatures of Zoe, the four beasts, the lion, man, calf, and eagle, which we'll find to be the cherubim of glory. And the cherub, the cherub is not an angel. That we're finding out in Revelation 5 that these four and 20 elders and the four beasts sing the new song, which is the song of the redeemed, Revelation 5. They are not angels. God did not redeem the angels, never has, never will. Those angels did not keep their first estate or, or received into everlasting chains of darkness until the day of the Lord. Well, here we have this promise of overcomers, him that overcometh to the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, that we are to overcome. Now, what are we overcoming? Well, we've got famine, pestilence, sword, noise, and bees. All these are the beginning of sorrows, birth pains. The false church, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Now, there are many harlots out there. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of it, is a Kizi stigma. She rides upon that scarlet-colored beast. That beast is the number of a man. It's the mark of the beast. And that mark of the beast in Revelation 13 is 603 score and 6. It was not written 603 score and 6. It was written with Greek letters in Gematria. And the interpreters, as they translated the Bible, took the three Greek symbols of key Z stigma, 600 key, 60 Z, XI, stigma, six, and interpreted it, translated those six, those three Greek letters into 600, three score and six, but that's not the way it was originally written. And as we study that, we see it's key 600, Z 
60 stigma, 6. That's a, that's the number of his name. It's the number of a man. And let him that hath wisdom count or reckon up the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is Kizi Stigma. Now, what is Kizi Stigma? Key is Christ, 600. The number of warfare. He's a man of war. The Lord will fight our battles. It's Christ. That is the spirit. Stigma. Somebody said that means to scratch or to mark or to incise. But stigma in the original was uh, the flesh. Man. Flesh. Sarka. Not soma, just a body of skin put over. But sarka. Body, soul, and human spirit. The whole man. Jesus Christ, 600. Stigma is Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Key stigma. But the mark of the beast, the number of his name, and the ones that follow the synagogue of Satan, they do not receive that. They say 60. Z, X-I. That Z is written as a coal serpent ready to strike. And it it is against and rebels against and does not believe that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Not has come. Is come. That's where we see 1 John 4, verse 1 through 3. It says, Hereby try ye the spirits to see whether they are of God, because many false prophets are already entered into the world. How are you going to try these spirits? Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, 600, is come in the flesh, 6, is of God, key stigma. Two Greek symbols, key, 600, 6, stigma. Everyone knows that man was made on the sixth day, created on the sixth day. And key is Christ, 600, number of warfare. He went through the word of God. Well, key stigma. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Not has come, is come. But that, that 60, that number of 60 in that Greek symbol, 60 is Z, X-I. And it's written as a coal serpent ready to strike. It is adamant. Hates, it's red, it's angered against Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Notice I said coming. Why? Because that in 1 John 4, verse 1 through 3, any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come, not has come. A lot of the Bible translators have changed that. No, the original manuscript says is come in the flesh, present imperfect tense. Present means it's still happening. Imperfect means it's never been perfected. It's still coming, still happening. Jesus Christ is still coming in the flesh. Well, what is Jesus Christ? It's the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, that you shall receive power not many days hence. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, who is this Holy Ghost? Well, somebody said, that's the third person of God. No, it's not. Jesus stated to his disciples while he was in the world in the days of his flesh, 
God manifests. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father to send you another comforter. Somebody said, well, why is he praying to the Father if he is the Father? Because he, the Spirit, has made itself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6. Laid aside his glory, a self-imposed limitation, to take upon him the form of a servant. Why would he do that? Because he looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Isaiah tells us, therefore, his own arm brought salvation to himself. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me, God said. What? God is going to work salvation in and of himself? That's exactly right. And we find that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that the Old Testament prophets, all the prophets from Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets all the way to Malachi, Search diligently unto the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of Christ, that was in them. In them, yes. All the prophets, the kings anointed of all, the priests anointed, the prophets, anointed of a prophet in my stead, the prophets anointed of all, that means uh, that how did they prophesy? By the Spirit, capital S, of Christ that was in them. Christ is that Spirit. Who is Christ? He's Jesus. There is no other Christ but Jesus. At Christ, that Spirit of Christ that was in them, in all the prophets, prophesied when it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ, not Christ Jr., not a second person of the Godhead, Christ himself, the Spirit itself. How's he going to do it? Because the Spirit can't die. Spirit has no blood. So how did God do it? Philippians 2, 6, he made himself of no reputation. One time in the Word of God. It's a kenosis. Kenode, emptied out, laid aside, self-imposed limitation. Why would he do that? Because he can't work salvation as a Spirit, as the Spirit. He must work salvation as a man. We find that in Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. Well, he has to have a man. As the offense is of one, so although also the free gift is of one. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. God looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. He wondered there was no man. Therefore, he said in Isaiah, 65, he said, therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me. His own arm, yeah, Isaiah 43.10. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the invisible spirit of God, and my servant whom I have chosen. Now it sounds like there's two there. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, this is what we're taught, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I know what we're taught. So was I. But as you read the Word of God, you'll find out that that's a lie. We have to believe God. And God says in Isaiah 43.10, Thus saith the Lord. God himself is saying this. The Bible says it. Thus saith the Lord, the invisible Spirit of God, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Spirit. And thus saith the Lord, And my servant whom I have chosen. That servant is the man. But God said that you may know 
And believe me, not your organizations, not your denominations, not your so-called bishops or apostles or prophets or whatever, that you may know and believe me and understand, have the understanding that I am he, that God is that man. That one spirit that he is, is that man. Somebody said it's impossible. No, because he said, believe me and understand that I am he. I am that man. Isaiah 43.10. Before me, there was no God, that spirit, formed. Well, God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. Neither shall be after me. God formed before me, there will be no God formed, neither shall be after me. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. Where do you find that? Philippians 2, 6 through 8. He said so. Jesus being in the form of God's spirit, not son of God. Son of God is the father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. Son of God said you is the father revealed. He's the image of the invisible God. He is the express image of his person. You've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. John 8, 24, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. Heist, we're one of the self-same spirit. It's not a different spirit. The only difference is that spirit's invisible. Now that spirit is made visible in a body of flesh. How's permanently in it? The word made flesh, logos, gononomai, sarka. It's made flesh. It's not another. Who is that? Isaiah 43.10 says, Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you know may know and believe me and understand, I am he. Before me there was no God for him, neither shall be after me. See now that I am God, thy Savior. I am the Lord, thy Redeemer. Beside me there is no other God. And he goes on, saying that God is one. Jesus is that he is that spirit. The Lord is that spirit. <clears throat> never knee's going to bow, never tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and it's to the glory of the Father. In the days of his flesh, he's emptied out of glory. He's working as a man. As a man, he has to pray to the Father to fulfill his own law because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. As a man, he has to fulfill his law as one of us. And that's what you see in Hebrews 2. For as much then as the children are protectors of flesh and blood, God himself also likewise took part of the same that in all things he was made like unto his brethren. Hebrews 4.15 4, said he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. God can't be tempted. God has no blood. But he took on the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. Now he does. Now he can suffer, but he's doing it as a man. Why? Because the spirit is emptied out of glory, made of no reputation. One time in the word of God, Philippians 2, 6. Why? To work salvation as a man. Who is that man? It's God himself, but he's under the law. He's fulfilling the law as a man, not as a God man, as a man. Now we're getting into that revelation of Christ, and we're seeing how that we, as the body of Christ, in the shadow of things to come, in the feast, will have the work of the ministry revealing Christ through that body. What's the key? Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. 1 John 4, 1-3. Not has come, 
is come, present imperfect tense, that he is and still coming in the flesh into the fullness of the Gentiles become in. These natural wild olive branches graft into that natural olive tree. And that olive tree is but one. And we stand by faith. Therefore, in Romans 9, 10, 11, we're saying that all Israel will be saved. National Israel, the nation Israel, and the church. The bride of Christ, the church of the living church of the living God, his body. Him, the head, we, the body of the Christ. Now, knowledge uh, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, the nation Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. It's in part. And those that still, if they turn to the Lord God and go through the seven feasts like all of us in the church, they will be saved. They're the natural olive branches and they have uh, uh, much uh, advantage in every way because the gospel was first to, for the Jew and then to the Greek. And to them were all the ordinances of God proclaimed. So therefore, there is a mystery there, the mystery of that olive tree, that church and national Israel and the work of the ministry and this feast of trumpets, the Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of a new year for Israel, uh, which is 780 and 81. That's 5,780 going into 5,781 in the national year, the nation year, the civil year of Israel. And it has very much in prophetic happenings and tones that will be revealed in the nation, national Israel, as well as the church. As goes Israel, so goes the church. Now we're seeing that in this word of God, this feast of trumpets is in the season of tabernacles, not Pentecost, not weeks. It's a new season. It's a new thing. And it's a radical, radical change than what we know as the first four feasts going in the Feast of Trumpets, it becomes uh, an alarm of war, but it becomes a voice of the ministry and the work of the ministry. Not only is it going to be in the redemption miracles of Jesus, and these things shall you do, the, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. He came and under the law, fulfilled the law, and went back glorified with the Father's own self. And that man is God. Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. No man can raise up his own body except he be God. There, Jesus in Acts 2.36, Acts 2.37, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus whom you crucified, that man, who is it? That's God, but God made himself of no reputation so he could work at salvation as a man. Because he's under law, he's still got to pray to the Father. That law is still there as a metal wall of partition. And until he takes the ordinances of that, ordinances of that law and nails it to his cross, breaking down the metal wall of partition, even though that's God's own body of flesh and blood, that servant is God. He cannot, until that law is fulfilled, go back being glorified with the Father's own self 
where he was before. And that's the reason why you'll see Jesus in John 17, 5 say, Father, he's in Gethsemane, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. With what? With the glory I had with you before the world was, before I took that glory off, made myself of no reputation so I could do all of this, add to me the form of a servant so I could work salvation in and of myself alone. For God was in Christ. Well, Christ was in Christ, reconciled the world back to Christ. Well, God was in Christ. Well, Christ is God. Yes. So God was in Christ, reconciled the world unto himself. Now we pray in Christ's stead as ambassadors, be reconciled to God, the ministry, the word of reconciliation. The work of the ministry that's just ahead of us is not Pentecost. It is a radical change. And as we see what it is, to be accounted worthy of that, to be used of God in the work of the ministry as an overcomer, we're seeing that in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, what we must do to come unto perfect works and glorifying our Lord Jesus, which is in heaven. Let's take a look at Second Chronicles 5 and the Feast of Trumpets, which is the ministry voice of Jesus, which will last for a time, times and a half, three and a half years, 42 months. Then after he scattered the power of the holy people, then all these things will be finished. And I'm talking about Israel, the church there, the Israel of God scattered abroad in James 1. Here we see in Second Chronicles, Five, that there's a time and this is not Moses Tabernacle. This is not Pentecost. This is not the embryonic church in Acts the second chapter. This is now going to the seventh month. This is Solomon's temple. It's in Tishri. It's in Tabernacles of which there is in this season three feasts. Feast of Trumpets, the ministry voice of Jesus the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of Prophecy, the words of the book of this prophecy, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, as we see what's in store for us with what we do as believers at the end to be overcomers, and there's still one more ceiling growth rate after that Still another growth after overcomers. But we certainly have to be overcomers. To understand there are four different levels of glory for your inward man. The first one is a newborn babe. They desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Well, everybody starts there. You don't start walking immediately, not a novice, lest being lifted up by pride, he falls into condemnation of the devil. He has to grow. He has to uh, mature in order to be used of God. There he starts out as newborn babies. They desire the sincere milk of the words they may grow thereby. They're not on strong meat yet. But Paul, and he's talking to the church at Hebrews, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, he said, uh, talking about Melchizedek, Melech, king, Zedek, priest, righteous, the king priesthood. He said, these things are hard to be uttered, saying you're dull of hearing. 
I need to tell you this work of the ministry, this Melchizedek ministry, this Elijah ministry, this restoration ministry, but you're not able to receive it. These things are hard to be uttered. Why? Because you're dull of hearing, not your natural ear. They weren't deaf as far as the natural ear was concerned, but the inward man couldn't receive it. They weren't, they were not grown up enough to receive that mature word. And Paul says, when it needs to be that you need to be teachers, you have need again to be false, taught again the first principles of the oracles of God. The first principles again. We have to understand in Hebrews 6, it said, let us therefore go on to per- perfection. Going on to perfection, it said, leaving therefore. Didn't forget, don't forget them. But leaving, the, leaving, therefore, the first principles of the oracles of Christ, of God. Let us go on unto perfection. But most say, oh, no, we're saved, sanctified. You don't need that. And that's why we're going to miss out on the work of the ministry and ultimately miss out because we didn't do the will of God. Hearing, depart from me, you workers, workers of iniquity. That'd be a frightful time. So we must give the earnest heed to these things lest a promise slip any of us. We should come short of entering to his rest because there remaineth a rest to the people of God, Hebrews 4. If Jesus had given them rest, somebody said, well, that was Joshua. Yes, it was. And a type Jesus. Jesus spoke of another day. He said the time is coming and now is. When those that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live, that voice of the Son of God, is that ministry voice of Jesus. It's the trumpet sound of the Lord. That trumpet is the ministry voice, and everything God does, he does nothing save he show it to his servants. In the Old Testament, that was prophets. In the New Testament, that's you, the body of Christ. Because he said in Hebrews 1, verse 1, God in divers times and sundry manners spake unto the fathers, by the prophets. But as he speaks to us now, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. Now he, you don't have to go to a prophet. You don't have to go to a priest to hear from God. You have, you have bonus to enter in within the holiest of all and hear the voice of the Lord yourself. And we must know that voice in order to obey it. There was where we have the work of the ministry. That Feast of Trumpets is where we're at now. It's in the third day. So Hosea 6, come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. Not the devil, he did it. He has smitten, he has smitten us, and he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. In the third day, where we are now, the third millennial, He will raise us up and we will live in his sight when we see him face to face. When that which is perfect has come, charity is the bond of perfectness. Charity, you have to add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, uh, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, the God light, and godliness, then brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, Charity. Charity is the bond guarantee of perfectness. It's guaranteeing you you're going to get there. He that's begun a gun work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus. Charity 
will cover a multitude of sins. Why? Because it's the blood flow. Charity is not love. Charity is the love of God based in doing his will. That's a big difference. I can love God with my mouth all day long and never do those things that please him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things I tell you. There is the reason why they see our good works and glorify our Lord Jesus, which is in heaven. So I want you to tune into the podcast, if you will. We'll go into the Feast of Trumpets, breaking it down, what it is. We'll start in 2 Chronicles 5. We'll go to Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, talking about what is expected of us as believers to go into this next realm of faith, this going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, this higher level of glory that the Lord expects us to in the face of Jesus Christ. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. I'm giving you the treasures. This treasures that he will, if you tune into the podcast, I'll assure you, you will see the treasure. Is this not sealed up among my treasures, saith God. And you will know that treasure. You will be in the priest's chambers, that you will hide yourself a little while, enter into thy chambers, until the indignation be overpassed. Don't worry about famine, pestilence, sword, noise and beast, COVID-19, Ebola, HIV. Enter into your chambers, but you've got to have the chambers to enter into. And those are not Pentecostal chambers. That's the crown in Solomon's temple. That's the Feast of Trumpets. That is the treasures of God to be revealed in the last days in and through you, the body of Christ. Tune in. Tune into the podcast. Let us hear from you. Subscribe. We're going to be breaking this down. A little here, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, Precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, that the ones that do not believe will fall back and be ensnared. The ones that do go on will reap the reward and obtain that high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't miss a podcast. Let us hear from you. Subscribe. When you hit that bell down there, you're going to subscribe to it on whatever we're sailing God's people we're on over 25 different podcasts on your iPhones Androids whatever have our own app sailing God's people just hit that app go to us and we will be breaking this down and think you're going to find that the glory is higher than anything we can think or imagine in the work of the ministry in the last days friend don't miss out believers we are called for this higher glory And the Lord is revealing it now. And that's the reason why. On the 19th of January, 2019, not for any of our righteousness or any of our holiness, we were in Africa preaching in uh, Kilgoris in Transmira, Kenya, Africa, coming out of the Messiah church, tribal church. And the Lord there, the word of the Lord came. And it was a very great visitation two hours long, saying, seal my people by my word. We're into it now. As the angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. And it's not for any of our righteousness or our holiness, but for his name's sake and for his name, his glory, 
to the praise of His glory, we are now, you, the body of Christ, being fitly framed together, compacted, and whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love through the supply of that Spirit, there in literally lifting up the name of Jesus. Don't miss a podcast. Be with us. Subscribe. Let us hear from you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.